Do we have any schools represented here? Is there, is there anybody from Byron Center or East Kentwood? Do we have any Hudson Billions? How about any homeschoolers? You got to like take note that per capital, the homeschoolers are one of the loudest groups of all times. Like, they, they're just a noisy bunch. Any Granvillians? Any others? <laughs> uh, they, they got, there's more of them, so they got to try to outdo the homeschoolers, at least in noise. But uh, it's good fun. I got to make some jokes for the homeschoolers because I was homeschooled, and there's not really ever anything that represents your class. You're like, hey, hey hold on, class reunion. Okay, it's over. Like, it's just... There's not much for homeschoolers. It's not like you have a 10-year reunion where you come and see where everyone did. You just like walk into the mirror in the morning like, well, here's where my class went. Like it's just, it's not quite the same. It's a great way to go. Not dissing on the homeschoolers. I was there and it does not cripple you in life. You can be a homeschooler and a success in life. It's a good thing. Uh, <clears throat> but whatever school you go to, schools come with so many Choices with so much craziness. Now you've got school of choice, so you've got, you, know, you have to pick the school to start with. You're like, yeah, I, I live in this city, but do I want to go to this school? And you're like, I'm closer to this school, but I like this school better, and i got more friends that go over here. And you get to the school, and you're like, well, do I play the sport? Do I not play the sport? Do I try out for this sport? Will I make the sport? Do I think? Do I want to try if I'm not sure if I'm going to make it? And there's so many choices, and you're like, well, which group do I want to hang out with, and do I want to, how do I want to dress, and how do I want to talk to people, and how do I want to talk about people, and which there's so, so many choices. And then as, as you move on in high school, how many of you guys have been pressured to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, they're like, all right, what, what college are you going to go to? And why are you going to go to that college? And what are you going to major in? And what are you going to do? And you're like, I'm a freshman. I don't know. I just want to make a friend. Like, they, they, they pose all of these questions on you. And so often we get caught up in going, well, what? snacks and what am I going to do and what college am I going to go to and we just had the I guess the summer just came to a close but all summer we had so many open houses and it was fun you talk to students like what's next and some of them are like I'm going to go to this college for this long switch colleges at this point and then I'm going to leave and then I'm going to find a wife and then I'm going to get married and then I'm going to have and you're like do you have everything spelled out you're like to the day not quite the hour yet you're like, far out and you talk to others and they're like what are you going to do uh, I think I'm going to go to college like this next year? Maybe. You know where? No. Do you know what for? No. What do you want to do? Not sure. Okay? It's all right. Still love you. Thanks. But I'm going to be awesome. Like, I believe in you. But it's so much fun and there's so many things. But so often we get so lost in, well, what am I going to do and what am I going to become that we forget about where we are and what God's called us to right now? There was, there's a story about a little girl in the Bible. I guess I, I always assume that she's a little girl. The Bible doesn't exactly spell out how old she was. Anyone ever heard of Esther? Okay, a couple of you guys have heard of Esther. Some of you guys are like, as who? Esther. Um, not Easter, Esther. Um, I always spelled it wrong. You're like, oh, that's, no, that's a holiday. That's the wrong one. Okay, so you, you, you look um, at Esther. And her people had been taken as prisoners. Instead of like kidnapping somebody, they had kidnapped 
like most of a country. And so she's serving in, she'd, the, her family, ancestors, had been taken to Babylon. Babylon had been taken over by Persia. She's now part of the Persian Empire. And the king, who's not the best guy. Um, he's having a party that lasts for like 180 days or 160 days. Everybody's drunk. They're getting close to the end of the party. He's been showing off everything that he has. And at the end of his drunk, he's like, well, what else can I show off? Hey, I'm going to call my wife to parade around naked in front of all the guys that are drunk. And calls his wife, and she doesn't want to come. That's understandable. And so he's like, come just wearing your crown. Just wearing your crown. And she says, no. And he goes, that's crazy. She told me no. And so he boots her, puts her in, uh, um, isolates her for the rest of her life, and says, I need a new queen. After he sobered up, he's like, oh, man, why did I do that? Too late. I already did it. I'm the king. I can't go back on my word. So I got to find a new, king, new queen. And so as they go look for a new queen, they're like, well, we're gonna, we got this great idea. We're going to go looking for every beautiful girl in your kingdom. We're going to take all the beautiful ones. And they're each going to get like one date with the king. And if he likes them, he can either put them in the harem or he can decide that's the one to marry her. Like, not a very good deal. And Esther gets snagged to be, um, because they're like, yeah, you're good looking. King might want you. Grab her, throw her in here. And so she goes through this like prep, year of preparation for a date with the king to, yeah, just like this lousy deal. And he goes through this date and after this date, she has such favor that she goes, and the king goes, I want her to be the queen. Like, score, something finally goes right for this young girl. Except we catch up to her just a little bit later, and her uncle, who raised her, is talking to her and is like, hey, there's a problem. You should go talk to the king. And she's like, if I go to the king without being asked, I get killed. That's a great marriage. <laughs> and I haven't seen him in a month. You're like, your marriage sucks. Okay, so first moral of the story, don't marry someone you don't like, okay? Um, if you don't want to marry them, don't date them. Just causes problems. Those are our first morals. But so she's stuck, stuck married to a guy she couldn't refuse because if you refused him, you got killed. Um, minor detail. And so she's, she's stuck in this situation. And there's a guy who's the prime minister in the country. Not the prime minister. The, he's the like, second in command. And he wants to kill Jews, not just like one of them. He's mad at one. He wants to kill them all. And so he sets up this day where Jews are going to be annihilated, where anybody who's near a Jew can kill the Jew and take all the Jew stuff. It's like a national day of murder of the Jews. Sets this up. And so since she's a Jew, her uncle comes and is like, dude, this is a mess. And she goes, I agree, it's a mess. What am I supposed to do about it? And he goes, go before the king. She's like, I can't go before the king. I haven't seen him in a month. If I go before the king, I'll get my head cut off. And he goes, don't think that just because you're in the palace, everything will go well for you. He goes, who knows? Let me actually read the verse to you. Esther 4, verse 14. I'm going to read the second half of the verse. It says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And she responds and goes, all right, fast pray, and I'm going to go before the king. And then you can read the book of Esther. It's not that long, but she does. She goes, ends up fasting, praying, goes before the king, and invites him to two different lunches, and after two lunches, asks, and ends up saving her people. 
and getting the guy who's trying to kill her and all the Jews killed. And it's a crazy story, but I got thinking about this, this place that she was stuck, where she was just trying to survive, where she was just stuck in this awkward, weird place that she didn't even really want to be in. And her uncle's words, maybe you're there for such a time as this. Who's ever not wanted to go to school? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, you're weird, but God bless you. <laughs> like someone has to like it. Most of us like it at some points. We're like, yeah, I get to see my friends. And then we get to a class we don't like, and we're like, uh, or we like it, and then our alarm goes off in the morning, and you're like, uh, forget school. Oh, I gotta go. Your mom wakes you up, dumps water on your face, whatever it may be. Unless you're homeschooled, then they really dump water on your face, and you're in real trouble. But, uh, Anyways, that's, that's another, another story, jokes for another day. But this idea that maybe, like Esther, you are placed there on purpose. Maybe God has a plan for you at your school. Because God loves you and God loves your school. God wants his presence to be seen in your school. And it's so easy to go, somebody else needs to stand up for Jesus at my school. My school's full of idiots. My school's full of, and maybe you're like, my school's perfect. Good for you. You're homeschooled. But like, <laughs> it's a lot easier to say when you're like, in order to admit that you have a problem with your school, you have, you're admitting you have a problem with yourself because you're the only one there. Um, like, it's like, I hate my school. Wait, that's me. Like, that doesn't work. So, but even in the, these places going, well, where, what has God called me to do? Jesus told a story, often referred to as the story of the Good Samaritan. You can find the story in Luke, I want to say it's chapter 10, 27 through, or 30 through, yeah, it's in my notes. 10, uh, it's 30 through 37. As he tells a story, he tells a story about a guy who goes for a walk. And as he's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, he gets beat up. And they grab him, they beat him up, take his stuff, strip him down, take his clothes, and leave him beat up for dead. And he said that a priest comes by. Now, a priest, someone who's supposed to represent the people before God and God before the people, you'd think they would be the one to be full of God's love and to show the love to this man who was beat up. But instead, he sees him and he just like goes around him and does nothing. And then a Levite, who is of the people, that were supposed to, the, where the priest came from, but he's, he's of the people that's supposed to be set apart for God's service. And he walks by and does nothing. And then a Samaritan comes by. But when I say Samaritan, that really probably means absolutely nothing to you. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Do we have any Michigan, Michigan State fans in here? Okay. All right, here, here, comes, here comes the point. Your rivalry gets a little bit intense. But that's not anything compared to the tension that was between the Jews and the Samaritans. In fact, in order to give you somewhat of a picture, picture the guy that just got beat up and left for dead. In a um, KKK like tattooed across his back with the white hoods all they left him with and the Samaritans, a black guy that used to be a slave. Like, 
this is the only way, or whose parents were killed by the KKK. Like, this is the only way I could describe to you the amount of tension and the amount of hatred that was between the Jews and the Samaritans. It was so intense between the two of them. And this is the guy that you expect to walk up and to see him and go, you sucker, you're the one who mistreated my family and just start like kicking him, stab him, beat him with a rock. Like you expect, this is his chance who's been mistreated and abused by the guy that's now hurting on the ground to finally get his revenge. And he stops, picks him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to a hotel, cleans up his, his wounds, gets him a meal, pays for the hotel, pays for the bandages, and then gives the innkeeper some more money and says, if he racks up any further bills, I'll take care of it. And then Jesus goes, who showed him God's love? Who was a good neighbor to him? And the, the people that he told the story to couldn't even say the Samaritan because they hated the Samaritan so much. They were like, the guy who was nice. And Jesus, rather than just point out how racist they were and how much they had issues, he just goes to them and goes, go and do likewise. And I wonder, what would happen to your school if everyone in here went and did likewise? What if everyone in here says, I am here for such a time as this. I will not despise my youth. I will not despise this time just waiting until I'm older, just waiting until I have a job, just waiting until I become something and finish college. But right here, right now, I'm just going to show God's love in my school. What difference would it make? I bet there are some people in here who go, the reason I don't want to be a Christian, the reason I'm not a Christian is because I've met people that didn't show God's love. They said they were Christians and they weren't any different. In fact, they were bigger jerks than anyone else had ever met. And you go, that what God called us to, what Jesus said is supposed to set a Christian apart, John 13, 35, he says that they will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. This is our call. Our call is to show God's love right here, right now, and in our schools, and our families, and everywhere we go. And I think that there are some people here who go, that's the kind of Christian I would like to meet. That's the kind of people that I, that, that if that's what it's really all about, that's what I want to be. But if they don't have anything different than what I have, why would I want to be what they are? And if you're here, so you know what, today I... I want what God has for me. I want to be a Christian. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm forgiven, that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. I want to give you a chance to make him your Lord. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If that's you, you say, I want his forgiveness. I want to live for him. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I'm right with God on my way to heaven. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, Three, raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. I see your hand and 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 your hand. And your hand. Awesome. Awesome. You can put your hands down. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to say a simple prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. And he says that when we call on his name, when we declare him to be Lord of our life, he washes away our sins and we become part of his family. So whether you've done this before or whether you raised your hand today, go ahead and repeat after me. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died 
and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.